0: D. Smith, welcome in. It is the latest edition of the unnamed soccer podcast. The unnamed soccer podcast. It is brought to you by Three Punk Ales in Chula Vista. Also brought to you by Sport Clips. Where it is good to be a guy, Darren. It is good to see you.
1: Yes, good to be seen. As always, good to be here. Super excited about this podcast, Jordan. Especially now as we're getting set. We're recording on a Thursday night. It's the last Thursday in the month of January, which means that you know, we're into February here. Which means we're getting closer and closer to the start of season number two with sd loyal we got all sorts of stuff happening and thrilled absolutely thrilled to welcome shannon mcmillan to the podcast here to talk with us a little bit about sd loyal season number one season number two preparing for talking about her outstanding career obviously there's been a little bit of news this week with regards to the usl and shannon mcmillan but we're getting closer now which is super exciting and I know plans are being laid and, and we're starting to hear stories and see different signings, et cetera. So let us say hello to the national soccer hall of famer. She's one of our own San Pasquale high school here in San Diego. You see her up in the booth all the time, working with our guy, Jack Cronin, more like Jack is working with her, her (laughs) providing that outstanding analysis, a senior advisor, broadcaster with San Diego loyal Shannon McMillan. What else can we say? How else can we welcome you to this podcast?
2: Oh, just happy to be here, guys. So good to see you. It definitely means we're ramping up and getting ready for part two. So nice to see you guys. And I got to give kudos to Jack. I'm just his wing woman, man. He makes it easy for me. He makes me sound good.
1: <laughs> no, man. He will say he walks out of that broadcast booth. And I work with Jack on radio. We do a nightly show Monday through Friday. And I guarantee you, he never says anything about me like what he has said about you and your <laughs> professionalism. I just want to know, because Jordan and I were talking about it how much you liked the broadcast booth. You know, you've had, you've done everything in this sport. You know, there's very little that you haven't done. Uh, what was it like for a full season being in that booth for season number one with Estee Loyal?
2: To be completely honest, it was so far out of my comfort zone. It's it's not even funny. I've done some, you know, I did some work with ESPN and the SEC channel um, done, you know, U 20, U 17 world cups for Fox soccer, but that's out of like a little closet up in LA because the youth tournaments are, you know, throughout the world. And it's just been a, it's been a little safe zone. And then, you know, when they started talking about broadcast for the loyal games Landon's it's like, Oh, you've done some, why don't you try it? And I kind of thought, Oh yeah, sure. Why not threw it out there. And then I was like, Oh, <laughs> what did I get myself into? Um, and then in fairness, when Jesse first gave me the schedule, I picked out a handful of games just to be safe just in case it was too much, because I'm, I'm a horrible critic. I have to mute so many games and, you know, in fairness, a lot of our away games, I struggle listening and have to mute it. Um, No offense to anyone out there, but um, you know, after I did the first game and got to work with Jack, I mean, he, he really made it easy because it just felt like I'd known him forever. And he's just so easygoing. He knows what he's doing. He knows the game and we just had a really good, easy rapport and so I think after that first game, I, you know, I had trouble sleeping that night cause I enjoyed it so much. And I think I'm fortunate to be able to be down at training sometimes and get to know the guys and, you know, kind of get to be around Landon and know where what some of his thought processes are. So it helps me call the game a little bit better with some insight. Um, but after that first game, I called Jesse and I said, give me all of them. I got it is this is too much fun. So, Um, I think the bar has been set now. I'll probably be even more nervous for season two because I can only really screw it up now.
0: (laughs) Let me get this right. You were only going to do four or five games and then it kind of blossomed into the full season. You kind of just wanted to dip your toes into the shallow end of the pool. I'm glad you jumped in all the way to the deep end.
2: Yeah, you know, I I like to fly under the radar. I don't like to call attention to myself. So putting my, you know, thank goodness we're not on camera because then it'd be another level of anxiety for me. But just, I like to just kind of go about, you know, ultimate team player just behind the scenes do what I can but don't look at me I just you know let my work speak for itself so it's definitely out of my comfort zone but again Jack just made me jump in
0: yeah it's interesting that you say that I was writing down notes before the podcast and I was thinking of the stuff to bring up and one of them was how comfortable of course you were in the broadcast booth uh, but just because it's it's so different like you yeah the way I've heard you describe your playing time and correct me if I'm wrong but the way I kind of hear it is like you're It's all about action. Like you, you, you did not want to talk about what you did. Like you wanted to go out and do it. Like, let me, okay. I know what to do. Let me go do it. Let me go prove it. Um, The broadcast business is a little bit different. It's all about talking about it. So like, is, is that the biggest, was that the big challenge for you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like, like, you nailed it. You know, for me, it was just about being a part of the team and, you know, whatever it took, working hard and just kind of, you know, doing the grind. I was never one of those, you know, where are the cameras. I want to celebrate in front of them or, you know, take on all that the craziness. You know, we used to joke with Mia Ham that her her back must have hurt all those years of carrying the team, the load she carried with the media. You know, the the celebration she missed in the locker room and stuff. The rest of us, we We got to enjoy the celebration. She's still out there doing press stuff. Um, so So yeah, it's definitely, I I just, it's a confidence thing. I don't like drawing that attention to myself.
1: How much uh, did you have uh, flashbacks? Obviously that's a familiar place for you, you know, not just for uh, those of us who have been on campus for USD, but you know, people will remember the San Diego spirit. I I wonder for you, how much uh, flashbacks did you have just from being a, from a player standpoint from being there from not only playing for your hometown now broadcasting from your hometown.
2: Oh, yeah. You know, and even Chula Vista, because Chula Vista is where I got cut before the Olympics. You know, the U.S. team was training down there um, to finalize the residency roster. Obviously, we played WSA games, the San Diego Spirit at USD, and it was packed. So I and that was one of the tough things to see that the guys didn't get a part of was the support there because it's a rocking home environment. And that is such a difference maker because it's an unfriendly place to come into town and play. And it becomes that 12th man on the field. So to, unfortunately the team didn't get to feel that with all the fans and the supporters, like the locals and everyone out there. Um, but it, it's a special place. It's really intimate. It's really unique. It's a, it's a beautiful, you know, campus. So to be there now on the opposite side, makes me feel old.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, listen, not, uh, and we do have, I'm sure some younger people who are listening, watching or what have you, you know, who might not have memories of, of those days. I mean, how do you describe that for those that didn't get a chance if they weren't there on that March 7th inaugural night, because you guys, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, rocked in attendance. And you mentioned here having a true home field advantage. I mean, what do you, what do you say to people about what that place is like when it's full and you got a whole home crowd behind you?
2: It's one of those, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to put into words because it's kind of one of those, like, you know, how to feel to win a world cup. It's like, you, you can't describe those feelings because they're that yeah. deep and that intense and same thing, walking out there and feeling the crowd, it kind of sucks the wind out of you a little bit, you know, and just like a, wow, be, because we've wanted professional soccer for so long. We had the WSA, we, you know, on the women's side, it lasted three years and it's been, it's been a void for that. And now to have loyal here with great leadership incredible group of gentlemen out there playing you know and to see the people that came out and support that it just makes it even more exciting because people are going to be so hungry to have live sports that I think it's going to be even louder and more intense of an environment because they're going to be so grateful to finally be out there and even when we get to have a small capacity whether it's 30 percent 20 percent of fans I think it's still going to feel like it's packed just because of everyone's excitement to finally be out there.
0: Shannon, I feel like we can uh, address so many different things with the club. We can talk about potentially the future of the women's game in the league. We could talk about uh, the club itself and going into the 2021 season because you have so many roles with this club. I do want to bring up and talk about where we are right now in the off season and kind of where you assess San Diego loyal from your perspective. What did you think the uh, most important things were to accomplish this off season? And so far, how do you think the club has done?
2: Yeah, great question and I think, you know, obviously there's been a lot of player movement, player changes, um, you know, with Kempin, you know, getting traded in MLS Um, Rubio Rubin getting picked up. Um, so obviously there's some voids to fill and I think the soccer ops have done a great job looking to find the right fit, not just trying to find someone who's going to make the impact on the field, but that's going to be a great fit within the culture and the environment of the organization and want to be a part of this community. So, um, there's still a few more exciting announcements to come, um, you know, and they're, they're trickling them out to keep people entertained and interested and excited. Um, and, you know, on the operational side, I think what one of the things that impressed me most was when we did go into the shutdown and had that pause was, you know, Warren took it as, hey, this is, doesn't mean we have a break. You know, we have this ability now that being a startup, let's assess the first couple months. You know, we had a sellout crowd. How can we get better and what can we learn from and took it as more of a growing opportunity versus Oh, we're, you know, we're, we're shut down. So it's been exciting to watch everybody grow. Lauren's Warren's leadership in that office is phenomenal because it's living to the values. Um, and then the why statement of just really trying to get people together, know each other and work hard. So it's been exciting. Um, you know, I, I said it towards the end of last season, I think we ran out of games cause we were just, the team finally just started to really just crush it. Uh, and the way it ended, I think we put a bigger target on our backs. Because now people know who San Diego Loyal are. They know what we're about. And it's going to be a little badge of honor to come in, whether it's here or on their home turf, and say, you know, we beat them. Because, you know, everything the team has stood for on the field and off, um, you know, it's it's, it's a big jump for the team itself. So it's going to be fun to see how they respond when we finally get to kick off.
1: I felt like so much last year was, you know, there was obviously you're trying to put together – team one and get a mm-hmm. roster. And, you know, a lot of that was, you know, not on a normal schedule, right? Like, and you have to worry about so many other things cause you're hosting, you got a new stadium, you want to make a good first impression and ticket sales for the first time. You know, <laughs> in the sense I've even had a little bit this week was, you know, being a, and, and, having a chance to you know, interact with some people. Like, like, the idea of hitting the ground running on the field, not that that wasn't a priority last year, but it was just mm-hmm. one of like a million priorities. And certainly like, like, you know, you sort of get the sense even where we are now with however long it is until the start of the season, the sense I get Shannon, and you could probably speak much more to this because it sounds like you've got a lot of information there <laughs> yeah. that you can, you, you can certainly feel free to share with us is, you know, that, that, that the club is in a better place today, mm-hmm. you know, however long it is till the start of the season than it was at this time last year, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah. And you're exactly right. And I think that goes to the fact that instead of, you know, just shutting down, you know, you have a, a, an owner like Andrew, who, you know, kept investing with the team financially and time-wise and saying, Hey, let's keep building this. And so instead of just taking a pause as an organization, there was so much going on behind the scenes so that we are that much more ahead of the game when we, we do kick off in this season Um, does finally happen and you know all different scenarios what if we can have this percentage of fans what if not how do we make it a safer environment so that fans are comfortable you know touchless ordering and being able to still get food at this so many different aspects of it you know that we see day to day right now whether it's going to the grocery store anything like that and um, you know just even the way the organization you know turned to us all working from home and having we're all pretty you know more than we ever thought we would be on Zoom and GoToMeeting and Microsoft Teams and whatever platforms out there. Um, so, you know, it's, it's been a lot of hard work. You know, the office did get scaled down a bit in terms of personnel, um, but everyone that's still around has just said, let's do this and picked up uh, more because they truly believe in what this can be.
0: I think the uh, 2020 season was just so different for so many reasons. One of the biggest changes as we get ready for the 2021 season, at least from a, for a player's perspective, is potentially just the change of how everything looks like 2020 Mm -hmm. was, you had a small group. I mean, the idea the goal is to try to get as many matches as possible in for 2021. How different potentially could we see this upcoming season? How different is that for the players themselves to play such a potentially longer schedule? And how is it different for you guys as you prepare for something like that?
2: Yeah. And, you know, think of state to state is different in terms of what's allowed and what isn't. So, you know, we, we really need everyone to stay diligent about being healthy and try to get the numbers to continue to trend down so that we can have more opportunity to get people in the stands, more opportunity to host home games. Um, So, you know, it is going to be more games. You know, I think they're looking at a 32 game season, 16 home, 16 away. So it's going to be almost double, but you know, the guys are professionals and the staff, you know, the periodization that they're working on are going to make sure that, you know, they're not peaking too early and they're taking care of themselves and keep it in mind, we could hit a pause again um, and how that all works. So, you know, I think that's probably one of the things that uh, was one of the toughest on Nate Miller, you know, he had his periodization and everyone's dialed in and then you hit this pause and it's like, okay, you almost have to start over and replan it. All that, all that stuff that goes into the technical side of it. Um, so it's going to be, the travel involved too. How does that look with, you know, the comfort of the guys playing, you know, and kudos to the organization, the team, you know, there were no positives within the group of guys because they realized that this was important to really stay safe. Um, And we saw other teams that had to postpone games because of outbreaks and stuff. So um, it's a lot more on, on their plates to juggle for sure, but um, it's going to be exciting because it should feel more like a full season um, playoffs and that type of stuff. Um, it's, it'll probably be more regionalized, um, to start with playoffs, um, from that point on.
1: Yeah. It seems like that idea is still kicking around. Not, not what we saw last year necessarily, mm-hmm. but a version of that perhaps maybe a little bit more expansive. So I know that's been, I, I kicked around a little bit with nothing official yet. So we'll wait and, and see and what the league has to yeah, say. That's yeah. the
2: hard part too. Even when you yeah. have to play the same team four or five times, it's just like, <laughs> You know, it's hard to beat a team more than a couple of times. And just that, you know, it doesn't, yes, they're playing, but it's not the same as having a full fledged schedule where, you know, you got your, your rival circled on the calendar and you're preparing for all that. So I think it'll be a little bit more of a regionalized um, than last year. Um, but, you know, we also lost some teams because of COVID. So that yeah. that's a disappointing too.
1: Yeah. And, and I was going to ask, cause yeah, I'd love, you know, listen, one of the great joys that Jordan and I had being around this club and us being allowed to be around this club were the rare times where we would go to training Shannon and you would be nice enough to talk to us. And you know, you'd let us see the game through your eyes. Cause one thing we always remind our listeners is we're not tacticians. You know, we rely on people like you and Nate and like, we just, we're fans. We love the sport, the culture of soccer, et cetera. But one of the players you know that I'd love to ask you about is somebody who unfortunately did, fortunately for loyal, but unfortunately for the sport comes from, from Reno. And that would be Corey Herzog. We had him on his podcast. He is a trip. We're going to love talking with him. Fans I think are really going to gravitate towards him, but he's also one of the most successful players in this league's history. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I wonder, you know, cause you called the Reno match. I'm, I'm pretty sure, um, you know, that was a really tough outfit here. What do you, mm-hmm. what do you think loyal's getting here with that guy in particular and how much better everybody is going to be with him on the squad?
2: Well, first of all, I'm going to say you two fake it well, because <laughs> you, you definitely you fake it till you make it, and you guys pull it off pretty well as tacticians. So we, we, <laughs> kudos <tried>. to you. Get <laughs> <You had> enough <laughs> of the lingo down. <laughs> uh, and Corey's someone that I'm excited to meet and just get to know a bit more because he's he's going to bring some flair. You know, I think similar to Rubio, um, he's going to, he's hunt, he hunts the ball. And he takes shots that, you know, some players need the ball to set up perfectly and be completely unbalanced. And, you know, the C's part. And it's just like this moment, you know, for him, you watch some of his highlights and he's a scrapper and he's getting, you know, foot on anything, even if it's a half shot and it's going in. And when you're you're that scrappy and you hunt the ball in that final third, you know, good things happen. Um, and he, he's, a, he's a goal scorer. Uh, and that's what we're going to need for sure. So I'm excited to see, you know, it's disappointing for his team to, you know, fall apart but that ends up being a you know lucky stroke for us so um he's definitely someone that he's going to have to carry a load in terms of goals um it's but something he's used to and i, I think from what i've seen I, and i haven't met him yet but he just brings a flair and excitement that i think torrero is just going to light up when he's scoring goals and celebrating
0: what are expectations for the uh 2021 season what, what's the chatter amongst the club
2: you know, it's, it's going to be, there's a lot of changeover, you know, there's a core of returning players, heart and soul, you know, the, the Charlies, the Jacks, uh, Stoney. um, And it's going to, it's going to be fun to see what happens, you know, and how the team gels because I think last year, you know, part of, um, even though the team wasn't allowed to fully train, you know, Landon still had a lot of zoom meetings with them and getting to know each other as people and just kind of like team building type things. And these guys are going to hit the ground running. Um, and it might be more soccer focused um, versus last year when we had that pause. Um, but it's going to, you know, I think players coming in know what the culture is that Landon's building and wouldn't want, be excited to be a part of this if they, they, they didn't want to embrace that um, and enhance it and make a difference both on the field and off. So it's, you know, again, the bar has been set high because of walking the walk. Um, you know, walking off that pitch, you know, an image that's still seared in my mind is Andrew Vasiliadis, our, our owner, walking off the field um, with Colin Martin and his arm around his shoulder. And that just it still gives me the chills to this day. So uh, and the team was performing, like I said, you know, the, they had a couple more games It would have been a no brainer who was the best in the West.
1: No doubt. Well, I want to, you know, to switch gears slightly because it was just about, I guess it was a little bit more than a week ago that the USL, the United Soccer League, announced its impact committee. And um, I, I, you are a member of the impact committee. And if I read this right, uh, SD Loyal nominated you. Uh, I guess mm-hmm. that that you had to submit a, a written uh, statement here. Uh, what was it about this opportunity that uh, that appealed to you to be a part of the impact committee? And what is the USL impact committee?
2: Yeah, I think uh, the motivation is, you know, I was blessed with an amazing career Um, from 12 years with the women's team. It paid for my college education, took me around the world. I've competed and been successful at every level. And what that all comes back to is my college coach, Clive Charles, who really just helped me develop and grow as a person. Um, Without a doubt, everything on the field was due to that man Um, and just really taught about the life lessons that the game affords. And for me, it was, it's so important to give back to this game because it has afforded me so much. Um, and so being a part of professional soccer, in my hometown, running the youth club like I do and giving back is something that's important because, you know, the the pyramid gets narrower for a reason and it's so hard to be at the top. But there's so many life lessons that these kids can learn that are going to help them be successful people from the teamwork to the confidence to be a leader, to overcoming the adversity and all really good life skills. Just like I said, that just help you in life. Um, So when Warren actually called and said, hey, you know, we'd love to throw your name in for this, um, you know, I, I jumped at the opportunity because I think, you know, it'd be silly to not have loyal represented on this committee because... Of the way season ended, and it became more about I will speak, I will act, versus just, you know, kind of saying, yeah, yeah, I'm not racist or anything like that. So we had to submit a form. Warren, you know, vouched for me as well. And I got chosen uh, to be a part of the USL Impact Committee that's now broken into four subcommittees. Um, So they have a race uh, committee focusing on racism, LGBTQ issues, uh, gender equity, and then a community engagement committee as well. Um, And that one's kind of, you know, can be a catch-all and we'll be involved with all of them, but they also want to come up with specific things that can really impact each and every community um, and venue. Um, So I'm actually a part of the gender equity um, subcommittee. So we meet every couple of weeks via Zoom to just talk about what we can, you know, help put out there and make a difference. Um, You know, is it going to be bringing a women's side to USL, stuff like that. And then we have a entire committee meeting every four to six weeks. Um, and just really, you know, there's going to be things that come up too. If there's policy changes, you know, one of the big things was what's the fine for comments that are made on the field. You know, a lot of people think it should be more. So when those types of issues come up, it'll be brought to the committee for some advice, um, and some vetting, um, before the league takes a stand. Um, and, and that's great because when you have a governing body, that's, you know, located in one place, what's going on in San Diego is different than what's going on and what's needed in Tampa and Portland and that. So when you have this committee that has the, the reach and, you know, understanding of different um, areas, it's really helpful and can be more impactful because, you know, more can be brought to the table than just one entity saying, this is the law.
0: <laughs> Shannon, that's a beautiful answer. And it's another reason why we're so lucky to have you here in San Diego and with the club. I'm glad you brought up the uh, the idea of the women's league with USL. I do have a question about it. And there's not a lot of details. Uh, like the reports are starting to come out. We're starting to learn mm-hmm. about the idea. From your perspective, what are the keys to success? Like if we're going to have a successful women's league with USL, I'm sure there's some carryover from San Diego Loyal. What needs to happen in order for that to succeed?
2: Yeah, I think there. You know, that's a great question. And I think a big thing is going to be is, you know, have it be more like USL where it's a program league versus you know, let's start a full professional women's league. And now we're competing against the NWSL, um, you know, who's going through their own changes and their own growth. And really, to me, I think it would be silly not to have shared infrastructure and resources because that that's half the battle. Um, you know, and I know for a fact that's part of the struggles with WSA. We lasted three years because in, you know, they brought in non-soccer people to the front office and within, I think, Maybe eight months they blew the five year budget, and so the next two years we were underwater as it was, and it was just because you know MLS and WSA we couldn't come to terms and just said, fine, we'll do our own thing. Um it's silly, especially you know speaking for loyal and the leadership and what's already put in place here to just roll that in and have them be side by side, you know, and share the infrastructure and, you know, training grounds and that type of stuff and really keeping it at a high level. I think the USL has done a tremendous job and has incredible growth over the years. And it's, it's the next step. It's something that's needed is this next platform, because there's so few opportunity for women outside of college and beyond to really keep playing, um, you know, and for the low level players, they only play a couple of years. Because financially, it's not feasible for them. So, if there's USL potential steps to NWSL and you know growing the NWSL, um, you know clubs like Angel City that are coming in with big investors and really looking to have pay equity, uh, it's promising for the women's game because. Players shouldn't have to leave the country on the women's side. we The U.S. women are the best of the best in the world. Why do we need to have our players go overseas to find a place to play and stay sharp for those national team events?
1: Crazy how that turned out, right? I mean, in a, in a way, it's such a tribute, you know, especially to you all who played in the 90s, that we have seen the growth that we've seen here internationally. Mm-hmm. But then to sort of see it reverse itself and then have these players leave for those opportunities yeah. that were in many ways directly due to how you all changed the world in that regard. It's like, poof, how did, Like my mind is sort of blown in how that it, all it's,
2: Yeah, I agree, you know, and we had to go into residency type events. When it was a World Cup and Olympic year, we literally left family, relationships, everything, and moved together for six, seven months and trained to get ready for it. Because having those, you know, scrimmages against each other was the best competition we can get. Because it was a lot of blood, sweat, and tears out there. Um you know, in, in fairness, I, I was just asked this, you know, where would I, I a chance to go play over at Man U would be something incredible for me, but it would be more for the experience, not because I'm chasing the money. I saw that head shake.
1: <laughs> that was the head shake of a Chelsea supporter. Just so you yes, know. Yes, I, I think that, I have that right. Yeah. Okay. Oh, uh, forgive them. That's all right.
2: <laughs> um, but you know, and that's why the, the gaps closing on the women's side is because these other countries are saying, Oh, you know what? Not only can women play, but it's they're kind of kick ass at it. So they're putting money behind that and, you know, in fairness to the players, they, you know, I'm still working, you know, we clearly didn't make the millions of dollars that we we retire and we're just living the life. So uh, kudos to them to be able to chase that down.
1: Yeah. Well, listen, I think every bit of attention helps too, you know, and I know Mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, I mean, even Naomi Osaka today, who, I don't know where she is in the official tennis rankings, but she's the best player on the planet that she invested. I want to say in uh, North Carolina uh, courage, Courage. like, you know, something like that, just, you know, you sort of see that and you're like, yes, like way to go, like way to support, you know, when you start and nothing against our own community here, we know exactly what it is and we love it. But you know, when you're starting to see, you know, somebody uh, along those lines here with that kind of global reach investing in the sport as well, it's just, you know, it really makes you feel good about it.
2: Yeah. And I love what she said was that, you know, I had so many strong, confident women invest in me over the years. It's my time. And she, you know, did research on the teams and figured this is the organization for me, you know, and Brittany Matthews, who's engaged to Patrick Mahomes, you know, she's investing too. You look at angel city, there's 12 of us from the national team. So it's exciting to see, which makes me excited about a potential women's league um, with USL as well, because, you know, having that tier of the program and, having that feeder is massive
0: Shannon really enjoyed this conversation thank you so much we're really excited for the uh, 2021 season we're excited to be back with the entire broadcast team um and mostly excited to hear you and Jack Cronin back in the booth one more time
1: <laughs> by the way can we also deduce from this conversation that you did grow up a Manchester United fan did you grow up a, a fan of anybody in particular here in in San Diego
2: you know, I it, we didn't. I didn't even know have know that we had a women's national team. I grew up <laughs> idolizing my big brother who used to beat the snot out of me. You know, but it came down to you know if he's playing street hockey, I'm out there with him. You know, he hated it because then all of his friends ended up wanting to date me at one point, and that was when I wasn't welcome. <laughs> um, but when it came down to picking teams, he was he always made sure I was on his team whether it was flag football, tackle football, whatever. So um, you know, I I didn't watch a lot of it. I was out playing whatever it was and just following my brother, who to this day is just one of my best friends.
1: Well, that's great. Did you ever nutmeg him in a celebrity soccers match?
2: <laughs> no, no, he, no we can't even play cards together anymore. It's too competitive. I've tried to <laughs> dial that down and just be more relaxed. And he, he's still a little fired up. So we, we can't even play five crowns or any card game. <laughs> well,
0: Shannon, Shannon, thank, thank you so much. We'll chat with you soon.
2: Yeah, you guys stay safe. Thank you so much. Look forward to seeing you out on the field.
0: I really enjoyed that, Darren. Shannon McMillan, a uh, mom, World Cup champion, Olympic champion, coach, an inspiration, overall, a badass,
1: Shannon. You know, uh, when the Impact Committee was announced, right, the first I had heard about it was when they announced he was on the USL Impact Committee. And I'm probably scrolling through Twitter or whatever, and I see the USL announces its Impact Committee. And I immediately said, who from loyal is going to be on this? Like, that's the first thing I said. There's no doubt in my mind that somebody from loyal is going to be a part of this. And then I opened it up. I started reading the story. The USL announces that it's going to be six members. That's going to be part. I'm like, who on loyal is going to be from- like, was, was there any doubt in anybody's mind that it was going to be somebody from the club? And, you know, listen, there was a lot of really, really good candidates here. I wasn't sure, you know, how high, where are they? But picking Shannon McMillan is about as good as it gets. And, you know, for her, everything she's done. I mean, that's, that's as big a legend as we've ever had on this podcast, you know, and you think about the fact that she's from here and represented San Diego and San Pasqual high school all throughout the years, throughout her travels. It's, you know, she's one of our own here in San Diego and an absolute delight to have her on this podcast and thrilled to see what sort of impact she can make with this impact committee, you know, which certainly seems like it's coming from the right place with this league. So, super stoked to have her on that on the pod as always i just i just love talking with her every time we get the opportunity to yeah
0: and it's a really fun person to chat with especially with san diego loyal because she's able to tap into so many different parts of the club because you have the coaching aspect you have a scouting aspect you have a broadcasting aspect like she touches so many different layers with this club it's you can learn so much and you do you do learn so much um it's just fun excited to see her and i um, looking forward to the 2021 season as it is nearly here a longer season. It sounds like according to Shannon McMillan. So yeah. sign up for as many matches, whatever the number may be, um, if we could do it the right way, give me as many matches as possible.
1: And that sounds like 32 league matches. Then let's think about open cup. Then let's think about some of the friendlies. And then let's think about some of the perhaps in season friendlies as well. What's interesting is what this is going to look like scheduling wise. It it doesn't sound like it's exactly going to go back to Eastern and Western conference. It's not going to be eight groups the way it was last year, but it sounds like it's going to be a little bit more regionalized just to cut back on, on some of the traffic, uh, some of the travel. So, uh, I, I would imagine we're probably going to get word of that pretty quickly. And Jordan, I know we only got another couple of minutes here before I got to run off to an exciting HOA board meeting. But I know we also have a Bundesliga report coming up in a little bit. And I wonder if you're getting any or uh, any intel from our Bundesliga correspondent about Thomas Tuchel, the new head um, guy at Chelsea Football Club this week, who really rallied the troops there for a scoreless draw midweek. Hey, you calm down, Darren.
0: He followed up that scoreless draw with a quote in the paper saying he grew up as a Tottenham supporter
1: oh god i give it another month <laughs> i saw that and
0: i said it to my i'm like sack him he's done no i'm he's, kidding is i'm telling you he is, I, I I you, he is yeah he's getting crushed we
1: boy he's getting crushed early on man boy oh, that god. english that london Please. press is not not uh it's it's tough to wade into the waters there <laughs>
0: it's it's been a single match let's let's slow down let us slow down. I, I'm next not the eight,
1: one that's writing it for the Guardian. You that story, months, my God.
0: Maybe the next couple of matches, however long the Tuchel, area, Tuchel era is, I will take it. We will How see long are you giving it. him?
1: How long are yeah. you giving
0: him? I mean, at least, till the, at least to the end of the season, Darren, at least. <laughs> okay.
1: All right. Yeah. I could buy that.
0: That's a big all commitment I, to Chelsea.
1: All I care about now is Christian Pulisic is on his third manager.
0: Correct. But no, Darren, he's already had this manager before. This is great news for Christian Pulisic. Think of all the managers in the world that Chelsea could have hired and the percentages of the managers that may not like Christian Pulisic. We actually found a guy that used to manage this guy and played him and likes him and continues to have a good relationship with him. This Mm. is fantastic news for American supporters who are very worried about Chelsea Football Club.
1: Yeah, I like him actually. In all seriousness, I know that your club just turns through managers like most of us turn through underpants. But <laughs> that said, I do, I I do think he's a pretty good manager if you just give him a little breathing room, give him a chance, man. But it sounds like so many in London are just not willing to do that.
0: Yeah, well, hey, listen, some people like fresh underpants. Other people wear the same underpants for like twenty years and let them go stale. Where Chelsea's a little different. They like fresh underpants. <laughs>
1: How you feeling about Lampard these days? You you feel for him? You feel sorry? He texted him?
0: he actually reached out to Tuchel. Good. Which I was I was wondering if he would actually watch that match. I don't know. It's a little bit different cuz he used to play for the club. So it's not exactly like, all right, I got fired from this team and now I'm never going to like speak to them or really watch them anymore. Like he he's he's a legend there and he continues to be a legend and he's loved there. So I expected I expect that he watched. He reached out to the new manager already, gave him his best wishes. So I think it's been handled really well. Um, listen, things are going to continue to be uncomfortable at Stanford bridge until Warner and Havertz get things going. Like, it doesn't matter what manager you could put in there. You can put the best manager in the world, unless they're get, unless they get things going, like it's going to be uncomfortable at the bridge until that point happens. So we're just waiting for that moment. Like however many managers it takes, like that's, that's the real turning point for Chelsea football club. So you got to wait for that moment.
1: And Frank just goes back. What's his, what's his future? I'm thinking,
0: what do you think, Major League Soccer? Do you think that's, it might sound like a, I don't know. He has experience with Major League Soccer. I think he would be a fun story in MLS. I think he wouldn't be given the same treatment that Chelsea gave him. He would be given a little bit more time. Um, I think it'd be a fun, I don't know, it crossed my mind. I haven't seen anything written about him Mm. even wanting to come here. Maybe he would scoff at the idea. I have no idea, but I would like it. I think since he's already been in the league and played in the league briefly before going to play for Manchester City, <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe and, you can uh,
1: NNYCFC NNY. Well, that was popular. yeah. Remember
0: it? And they came yeah. to LA. We went to oh. one of those matches, but he didn't play. He was up in one of the suites. He wasn't available for that match, so I just had to yell his name from from wherever we were sitting. Do you remember that? I hope I not. do.
1: Okay. yeah jordan jordan went up and he was like oh he had a sharpie pen and and he super couldn't wait to get frank out of- love me love you super love frank you, so did the little heart frank. thing with his fingers in the heart i oh, love you yeah. super frank super frank beautiful. super frank it was beautiful yeah. well hey i, I'm I, he I, I'm, to... I just him to manage our 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 best well our best american product that's all speaking of american products hey uh guest not too long ago on this podcast paul Ariola. Now, we found out Jordan Morris is going to go to Swansea City. And then I see Paul Ariola's name linked to Swansea City as well. I guess that needs to be completed by the end of the week. So fingers crossed that this turns out to be a good thing for our guy from Chula Vista, modern-day high school, formerly Club Tijuana and now D.C. United. By the way, and that's the interesting hook there, is that D.C. United has an owner who is also a part owner for Swansea City. So perhaps getting Paul to go to wales is sometime between now and the end of the weekend wouldn't that be exciting having not one but two two americans on swansea city including somebody who we know really well
0: darren let us dream together briefly they go to swans paul jordan morris they help swans get promoted the two stay with swans next season and they play in the premier league that's ideal right that is sky high That's good, right?
1: That's pretty good. And they are, what, second in the championship, last I checked. So, top two automatic promotion. Imagine being a part of promotion. God, wouldn't that be amazing? That'd be unforgettable to think if you were part of something like that.
0: Paul is their coffee. He's coming in as the closer. And he's going to send them straight to the top, baby.
1: I like it. I like it. I hope it happens. Like I said, I know there's that connection there with ownership. So, I don't know what it does or doesn't have to do with the situation. But perhaps – that helps get Paul over there. I'd love to see it, but uh, I don't know, other than what I read.
0: Yeah. Uh, Darren, you referenced Tim Stoops a little bit earlier. I am trying. I am recruiting Tim Stoops to be a Chelsea supporter because basically with the Bundesliga All-Stars. Uh, a lot of Dor- Dortmund carry over as well. So I think it would be a smooth transition for our friend Tim Stoops. But I will continue to try to recruit him to Chelsea and to Stamford Bridge. And as I continue that, let's get to a report. Missoula, Montana is where we go for our Bundesliga report. Here he
3: is, Tim Stoops. Darren, Jordan, Phelan, dunk. Here is your Bundesliga report. Question, Eins, is Bayern still in first? Yes, Bayern is still in first. They're seven points clear of Energy Drink Football Club as their impressive run continues. The Bundesliga has just started its second half of the season. Questions, why? What did American Dream Gio Reina do for Borussia Dortmund? Well, Dortmund's had a really bad run. They dropped eight points in a week last week, and Reina has not played as much for Dortmund since they sacked Lucien Favre last month. Question dry. What have other Americans done in the Bundesliga? Well, if you haven't been paying attention to Schalke, I don't blame you. They've been at the bottom of the table all season, but American striker Matthew Hoppe is on quite a roll. He's got five goals so far in 2021, so look out for him. Maybe he'll catch Lewandowski. And finally, your Toriuker Kananch tracker. It's that Lewandowski guy. He's got 23 goals as his assault on the record books continues. That's all for this week. feeder Wiedersehen! Missoula,
0: Montana, the home of the Bundesliga. Tim Stoops, we love you very much.
1: Missoula, hello. A little bit of a tip of the cap there to Larry King who passed away this past week. Jordan, you got to pick the click this weekend. Anything that you got your eye on outside of Chelsea Football Club, I'll tell you I'm looking forward to a, a tournament that you and I went to that I always love, that I wish Liga MX was still a part of, and that would be Copa Libertadores, the final coming up on Saturday, 12 noon on BN Sports at the Maracanã in Rio de Janeiro. Uh, We've got Palmeiras and Santos going. I love this tournament. I do everything about it. Empty Maracanã, unfortunately, but uh, looking forward to the the Copa Libertadores final upcoming this weekend. Remember how much fun that
0: was in in Tijuana? That's what I was going to ask you. Dude. What do you think of when you think of the Copa Lynn matches we went
1: to? Oh, my gosh. Ronaldinho, being at That's the main one.
0: Ronaldinho, I remember his orange. They weren't even cleats. He didn't have studs because it was artificial turf. And, I, and I'm pretty sure he didn't even use studs. He was using, like, regular shoes. And he was just – he was walking about 95% of the match. But that 5% that he moved, brilliant. Magic. I loved it.
1: Yeah. I remember that club, too, that he played for. I want to say it was uh, Atletico Mineiro. I hope yes, I'm saying I that correctly. That... Their I manager think... is actually the, uh, the Santos manager, who's managing in this, in this final upcoming this weekend. But I also remember that, that Cholos had him. They had him. And I mean, a penalty kick and stoppage time. And th- th- somehow the keeper for uh, Atletico Mineiro makes the, the most ridiculous save ever. And solos end up going home. Gosh, who was that player? Remember that player? He had the crazy dye in his hair. He was such a character. He was the guy when they would throw beer on him, he would always stick his tongue out and try to drink it. And he missed the penalty penalty kick in stoppage time. That would have put him through to the semifinals against New old boys.
0: Right. It was was the foot. The goalie guessed the right way, but he overshot it and his foot happened to be in the right spot and deflected it. Yeah. Fidel Martinez.
1: No, no. Fidel was on that club, but he wasn't the one that took the penalty kick. Yeah. Real character. I'll think of it at some point. If anybody out there is watching this, give, shoot us a text.
0: Okay. Um, Premier League. we've already made fun of Chelsea. So let me make fun of some other clubs. Tottenham lost to Liverpool. Suck it Spurs. Um, and then Manchester United, an interesting loss. I'm, I don't remember if it was on this podcast that I talked about this. So I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself but I recently spoke about Manchester United and how I do not believe in them because they have not, they didn't beat anyone so far this season. They like got crushed by Tottenham six to one. I'm looking at their schedule. I can't find a single impressive win from United this entire season in the league. I know they just beat Liverpool and FA cup, but in the league I'm talking about, they like you played Tottenham, you lose by five, you lose the arsenal. I believe they drew city. Um, They drew Chelsea. So that's clearly a terrible mark on United that they couldn't even pick up all three against Chelsea. So I'm still waiting for something impressive from United. So I don't, I'm not taking them serious. I just want, I guess I'm just letting you know that I don't take them serious. And um, I've never seen a supporters.
1: I've never seen a, a supporters base. So split on a club, like you see here with Manchester United supporters, half of them hate. Oh, half of them love him. half of them think he's the right guy. Half of them think he's absolute trash and completely unqualified to run this. You just, you know, I realize that to a certain extent, it's just the sport, but man, like you've, you've just never seen such a split here for people who do and don't believe within the same supporters group in the club that's sitting there hovering around the top of the table.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I should say something nice. I, I mean, I had bad things to say about Chelsea. I made fun of Tottenham quickly. Forgive me for that. And then United, I don't take seriously. But I guess Liverpool is uh, Liverpool is my club this year to to win it all. We get Arsenal and United. You asked what I'm looking forward to watch this weekend. At the Emirates, 9.30, Saturday morning, Manchester United against maybe some are claiming the hottest team in the league, Arsenal Football Club.
1: Arsenal Football Club sitting there, uh, what, dead level points with Chelsea Football Club, if I'm not mistaken, sitting there hovering around ninth? Does that sound right? That's
0: unfortunate for
1: Arsenal <laughs> if they're around Chelsea. <laughs> if anyone's around Chelsea, that is bad news, my friend. I'm going to try to figure out if I'm watching Barca this weekend. They're playing at 12 noon on Sunday. So Barca and uh, Athletic Club. So we'll see what happens. Club hey, club mess.
0: A quick. I just need a quick answer on Barca. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine about Barcelona, and we were trying to figure out the light at the end of the tunnel for Barca. What is the light at the end of the tunnel for Barca? You mean like in terms of like a player? What are you looking forward to most as a Barca supporter? Now that Messi no longer likes your club, Darren.
1: Well, uh, a new president on okay. March 7th. I mean, finally having a president who can make a decision here. And at some point, who is it going to be that's going to bring Xavi back? Now, we know we just went through this with Lampard and club legends don't always work out. Not everybody's Pep Guardiola who goes to Barca and ends up leading him perhaps to the greatest squad in history. But on that squad was Xavi. So you're going to convince a lot of Barca fans that that's exactly the way history is going to repeat itself. I'm not so sure. In terms of a player, there's an 18-year-old, a couple of 18-year-olds, Ansu Fati, uh, Pedri, who's a a Portuguese player who just turned 18. So, you know, they got a couple of good young players here, but I think they just need need to get out of this financial hole. They need to start cranking up the economic generator. They need to get fans back in at some point because, you know, you see how much massive debt they're in. They also bring in a ton of money when they're, stadiums open and it's a museum and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I think starting with a president, uh, the first week of March would be a nice step in the right direction. Uh, Chavi coming back and, and, you know, being the manager at some point. So that's the light right now. It's still, it's nothing but darkness, but it's, it's not too far away this season. Who knows? Maybe they can squeeze out a trophy in the Copa del Rey. They're in the semifinals. I doubt it, but they can perhaps just add one piece of hardware here just to, win something for the first time in a couple of years but yeah they've got a couple of decent decent really good young players but you know there's just no leadership it's a it's a total leadership void right now with the club
0: got it same boat for chelsea fans we're hoping to sneak something with the fa cup or maybe make some noise in the champions league but there's very
1: low expectations for that as well so who knows maybe we steal a trophy i like it yeah i mean we're you know. Everybody's looking up at the Atletico Madrid. That's that's just the way it goes. So, peace out. Thank you. Uh, hey, by the way, our friends at Three Punk Ales are still making deliveries. They're traveling all over the county. They're back open again, so they're there and available in Chula Vista that you can walk right up and you can walk away with some uh, their incredible, incredible cervezas. So please do us that favor and go and visit them and tell them that we sent you.
2: Peace.